Hi and welcome back to the Leading Language and Literature Podcast with me, Chris Jordan. In this episode, I'm speaking with Carly Lung and Vinci Tam. Carly and Vinci are Development Director and Business Executive, respectively, at Ver Hong Kong. Ver is a youth-initiated environmental education organization with the mission to promote low-carbon local tourism as a means to mitigate climate change. Ver uses its digital platforms, eco-tours, and public education events to recommend less conventional travel destinations in Hong Kong. I wanted to talk to Carly and Vinci as part of an ongoing interest in how service or action can play a large role in the taught curriculum of the MYP. We discussed Carly's role as a youth delegate at COP27, what this required and what the conference was designed to achieve. Carly and Vinti's experience with learning about climate change or other environmental matters at school and university, and whether this topic deserves greater exposure in Hong Kong. How teachers should approach the idea that young people can make a difference to what is a united global effort against climate change. What can be done at a local level in Hong Kong specifically to aid in environmental preservation, various services or experiences for students living in Hong Kong, and finally, other than the alternative organizations that schools should look to work with in Hong Kong to build meaningful experiences for students. Thanks again to Carly and Vinci for giving up their time to talk to me, as well as the fantastic work done by Ver more broadly in promoting sustainable local tourism and nature conservation, as well as youth empowerment. If you want to be kept up to date on when educational chat like this happens, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast and or follow me on Twitter at ChrisJordanHK. Carly, you were a youth delegate at uh, COP or COP27. What did this require you to do? And what was the conference designed to achieve? Um, so I guess before I share my experience, um, I should briefly introduce what COP is. So COP is basically our annual climate change meeting organized by UNFCCC. So those like the world leaders, um, also the corporate leaders, NGOs, and also youth group, they will come together. Um, apart from networking, the main things they have to do is to sit in their negotiation table and trying to come up with um, the process and actions to achieve the climate agenda. So, so that's basically the COP. Um, so before COP, I actually working with a couple of other youth delegates. Uh, we organized a few youth dialogues with uh, collaboration with the universities in Hong Kong. So the youth dialogues usually have a couple of topics, including um, climate education, finance, mitigation, ad adaptation, etc. And then we draft a, a youth statement, uh, which is on behalf of this youth. And then we submit it to the government. Um, so before I went to COP, we actually have to obtain a batch. And the batch we have is uh, the observer batch. And why is it important? Because uh, your commitments and also what you can do uh, during COP is really depends on your batch. So my as an observer batch, some of the meetings that is not allowed uh, observer batch to get in um but 
as us as an observer, we can go to some pavilions, some of the green zones. Uh, so green zones means that uh, some of the um, exhibition center for the corporates to network as well. And also some of the consultation and informal meeting that you got a chance to sit in with the negotiators from different countries and discuss about the climate agenda and the items that's for that meeting. So I'm actively involved in one of the constituency uh, of under UNFCCC called Yango. So we're basically working on youth and children in terms of climate change. So under Yango, there are basically a lot of working groups. So my focus is on climate education, which means ACE. Um, and then also on behalf of green groups, uh, green jobs, working groups. So one of the most unforgettable experience will be I represent one of the working groups to conduct a bilateral meeting with some of the organizations. And one of the in institution is uh, World Bank. Mm -hmm. So we basically uh, sit into uh, this bilateral meeting and then we meet with the advisor from the climate advisor of the World Bank and tell them what we are trying to advocate for. For example, uh, what World Bank can do to help uh, mitigations or what World Bank can do to support uh, youth empowerment and also climate educations and the development of green jobs all over the world. Uh, for me, because I come from Hong Kong, so I, I asked questions more related to uh, Asia Pacific region. Mm. So through these kind of meetings, maybe there doesn't have any kind of like solid outcome, but it's a good, uh, platform and also in a uh, very nice occasions to understand what these institutions uh, were actually thinking in terms of uh, the agenda from from a youth agenda. Mm. So that's basically what we have done uh, through our COP. I see. That, that sounds like a quite a legitimate opportunity for people of any age, any background to actually meet with these huge corporations. Because I, I, I know that they're available on Twitter and, and other online platforms and things like that, but you rarely hear of an opportunity for real people or kind of real citizens to be able to sit down with a delegate from, you know, a significant corporation or nation or something like that. So that's, uh, I, I teach kind of secondary school students, and I think that would be a dream come true for a lot of those older kind of middle school or high school students that is pretty fantastic opportunity um i, I don't know who i want to it's up to either one of you uh vinci or carly to kind of um start off with this one but what was your experience with learning about climate change or, or other environmental matters at school and, and university in your experience well i think i can take the question <laughs> um um, my journey in learning about climate change and environmental matters started in secondary school uh, with geography classes. So I studied in a local secondary school in Hong Kong, and that's where I first learned about the climate change and sustainability, the SDGs. But it wasn't just in geography. I also learned about um, concepts about renewable energy in the liberal study classes as the part of the old DSE syllabus. And these subjects helped me to see how environmental issues aren't isolated, but interconnected. 
um, then in university, um, I decided to study geography in the UK. So that really took my understanding of environmental issues to another level. Uh, like we have modules such as um, exploring the challenges of the SDGs. So studying these made me realize that um, there's a bottom-up approach in dealing with like um, SDGs and environmental matters. And the problem is more complicated than what I've imagined. So um, talking about how we can get more Hong Kong um, students to learn about environmental issues, um, particularly in the context of local schools, I think we should take a hard look to our current DSE curriculum. Like right now, geography isn't a compulsory subject in senior secondary and the old um, liberal studies curriculum is demolished. So um, I believe we could make a big difference if we try to incorporate more environmental content in current compulsory syllabus as an official curriculum required by the EDB. Like, for example, we can just integrate more environmental topics into the subjects of citizenship and social development, um, the new syllabus um, starting in, I think it's, I think it's 2020 or 2020 or 2021. So um, focusing on the complexities behind uh, climate change and practical skills such as sustainable living could be integrated to um, home economics or technology classes. This can simply include like energy efficient cooking, recycling, waste ma management, or even DIY projects using renewable materials. Mm. And yeah, um, yeah, I do have another point I want to make is that um, bring, uh, bringing in local and regional case studies through talks um, in some extracurriculum activities sections and potentially engaging students in community-based um, environmental projects are also some quite good ideas, I would say. Um, yeah, I think the key thing is to ensure a broad exposure about our environmental issues we are facing right now and demonstrate how they are the interdisciplinary nature of these issues. Mm. Yeah. How about you, Carly? Um, I definitely agree with Vincy, um, especially for the um, outside of school experience. Because like, I found my interest in terms of climate change uh, when I was in the university is when the time I went to Uganda. Um, so at that time, before I graduate, I signed up for our summer, inter uh, like a summer program organized by the university. And then we went to uh, Uganda, to Central Africa for two weeks. And then we went to Nepal for another two weeks. So basically it's the, it's the, it's the first time and at the front ninth as well to witness the climate change problem because, uh, they're suffering from extreme weather in terms of droughts and also flooding at the same time uh, depends on which region are you at in Uganda. So at that time I set up this like a water project and we're trying to work with the team to design a water tank system and trying to manufacture it in mainland China and then ship the whole things to Uganda. So that's the story and I learned so much from it from uh, entrepreneurship from humanitarian uh, kind of approach from human-centered kind of approach sustainability climate change all these come from that project 
but what's more, uh, like locally speaking from the school, I think recently I visited one of the secondary school in Hong Kong and they did an amazing job in terms of how to include uh, youth in their school project. So for example, the school installed solar panel uh, in, in the school building. So they trained their students to become the school tour guide. So whenever uh, the school accepts some kind of guest, like um, yeah, some external guest, they will take uh, they will ask the students to take this guest to have a school tour. Mm. And then on the way, we see like the solar panel. We see like the students have setting up some self-initiated projects. For example, uh, because the school has adopted the foot waste recycling machine. So they ask the student, uh, they invite the students to, you know, initiate some kind of mechanism to encourage other peers to do food waste recycling. And on top of that, they set up like green society, for example. So, so it's like a self, uh, like a student driven society that they can encourage more students to get into the society and also, uh, organize them, for example, uh, green week or green challenge, quiz challenge, something like that, as creative as possible. Um, so they also adopted some kind of farming and then they even adopted a turtle in the school so that they can play around and also invite other peers to mingle uh, with the concept as well. So it, I found it very inclusive and very interesting as well. And it's definitely helped the students to grow and, and understand the concepts by really doing mm. uh the projects and the things itself i see I, I was mildly surprised by those two examples both kind of vinci's example of um studying geography when when she was at school herself and also those kind of sustainability projects that you mentioned carly because i don't know my my perception of it is that maybe in hong kong um amongst hong kong schools that the sdgs aren't as well known perhaps as in in other countries or maybe in like the international sector maybe maybe that's not the case but um i i spoke to beneath chick uh, a couple of weeks ago a couple of months ago and we looked at a study from uh, i think it was 2018 2019 and and a lot of young people um i think only one in seven had actually heard of the sustainable development goals and um, and many of them were uh, excited or motivated to help after learning about them, but um, a lot of people aren't um, aware of them yet in in Hong Kong. So I think Vinci mentioned there, like the idea of like bottom up activism or um, um, starting from the bottom and, and and coming coming upwards. Like tackling climate change can seem like a huge task for students on an individual level. So as teachers. How should we approach the idea that young people can make a difference to what is, you know, for it to succeed, obviously you need a united global effort. So what should teachers be doing to, to give students the um, idea that they have a part to play too? Well, I do think Carly do answer part of the question by measuring, um, mentioning that students our teachers can encourage action within the school community. So this could involve like simply setting up environmental clubs or do some um sustainable infrastructures in school and like training up their own tour guides. 
and even organizing maybe tree planting days. Mm. So I think um, it's it's not about only gaining a deeper understanding of environmental issues, but also experience the satisfaction and the impact of taking the direct action. Like intimately, the goal is to cultivate a mindset where students can feel themselves not as passive observers, but active participants that um, in the fight up against climate change. So, um, well, it's indeed a global issue, but it's, it's through local individual efforts that we can collectively make a significant impact. Mm. Well, what would you say, Carly, to like the idea that, um, what about if teachers um, come to you and they say, these are lovely ideas, but the DSE is a very rigorous curriculum and students are highly competitive to get top scores. I, we don't have time to do this these kind of projects what's the um i don't know how do you combat that kind of pragmatism or pessimism you know what i often get the answer <laughs> <laughs> and and i totally understand because i come from hong kong as a student i study in a local school and i know how tough it is as a hong kong student to meet the curriculum and and actually how much of a workload offers teacher. Um, so what I recommend the teachers to do is like, um, because the school right now is not only focused on the study itself, even though it's very academic oriented, but also there are a lot of times uh, the, the school itself wanted to have some extracurricular activities and to what we call it the all round development mm. and also combining some concept with stem as well so i i deeply encourage different teachers across different subjects to collaborate with each other not only to reduce workload but mm. also increase the um kind of like a stimulation between different subjects as well because as we said sdg is a very board um, kind of concepts, even for let's say um, SDG thirteen climate action, um, is a really is a really broad subtopic, and what you can include inside the topic can be massive. So, for example, um, there a teacher reached out to me and said, "Oh, I'm a STEM teacher. I don't know how to approach with sustainability issues," and and then I was like. Yeah, I think you can talk to uh, uh, geographic teachers um, and then you can come up with some green technologies that you think you can uh, apply to your subjects as well and also teach the, um, teach the students how to use it. Uh, for example, food waste can be one of the things that uh, teachers can collaborate with each other. Maybe chemistry or biology teacher, they can uh, explain the process why uh, the food waste get decay. And other teachers can try to apply these kind of projects with other classmates and students as well. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the idea, like combine different subjects together, integrate into one instead of like, chopping it into like a very specific kind of like spectrum for students to learn because uh i believe that like this is not how learning is like learning is is kind of like a very natural kind of skill 
So when when students got to got a project to work with and they know how to apply their skills and knowledge into that projects, that's actually helped them help their learning a lot. Mm, I would I would agree with you on on the, the sort of the idea of learning being natural and not really you can't really divide it into different sort of sections and and not have those two sections or three sections overlap onto each other and complement each other. So I think that's that's really good advice. If if I was um, looking to sort of develop my curriculum either within my subject or in combination with another subject, it's always good to have a specific focus i guess to 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 look at to learn about and to focus on so within hong kong what what can we be doing more of at a local level um obviously thinking about all the sdgs you could probably argue most of them if not all of them apply to hong kong on some level but um is it possible to kind of identify a few kind of issues um that that hong kong is facing specifically with regard to environmental preservation um actually there are quite a lot um okay. but we can identify a few one um one is on uh, mitigations and especially for our energy consumptions um so what well as we all know that climate change the major uh emissions come from fossil fuels so how to reduce our energy consumption and also working on uh, how to transit to renewable energy is one of the things that many in current uh, government's agenda. And I think they're currently developing solar energy and uh, hydrogen as well uh, throughout uh, transportations and all that. And we will see uh, later on in our transportation system, we was definitely seeing more EV and also the facilities. Um, that's also a thing that the government is trying to do in, in the agenda. Uh, but one thing I also really want to highlight is on adaptation and resilience of the Hong Kong society overall. Uh, because I am not sure with you uh, outdoor today. I hope you're not. <laughs> Because today's weather and yesterday's weather is is definitely uh, very hot to endure. Mm. Um, I think it almost comes to 30, 34 degrees Celsius. And I know the, the government is working very hard on the, on the guidance of the extreme heat temperature. Uh, but we... I, I, I think there are more things that the governments can do apart from only providing guidance. Uh, for, for example, uh, maybe make it into like a legislation so that workers who are working outside, uh, they don't have to, you know, count on each hour, uh, and, and to decide how many minutes, uh, they can be taking rest. And, and as we know that, Summer is getting longer and longer, and it's going to be hotter and hotter. So I do think these uh, policies should be implemented as as soon as possible uh, to as part of the social uh, welfare and the social development as well. Um, and as for climate education, uh, we mentioned quite a lot, but what I wanted to emphasize is also about uh, 
inclusiveness in terms of including youth uh, as well. So for for example, we uh, before COP we organized some of the youth dialogue, and we understanding uh, we understand that um, students actually have a lot of opinions and a lot of thoughts in terms of uh, no matter is it on policy making or whether it's on sustainability issues, um, they just require a platform to voice their uh, to to have their voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really hope that. These kind of platform can be more uh, standard and official, so that uh, is is kind of like a channel for youth to, you know, voice out their opinion in terms of, for example, climate policy, or as a channel to know more about the climate change and also uh, the government policy overall. Um, so it becomes more like a kind of like a mutual understanding from both sides. Um, so that's that's some of my ideas. Vincy, would you concur with uh, Carly? Yeah, definitely agree to what she said, especially the point that um, Hong Kong youngsters do have some thoughts about climate change. Like maybe some um, some of my friends in secondary school actually do not study geography. Maybe like simply science physics, chemistry, biology, um, they might not have much knowledge about um, the climate change or the complexity behind it, but they do have an awareness that they do want to contribute to it. But like, for example, some of them ask me, okay, um, do like turning the aircon for like, stay, um, putting it on around 25 t- um, degrees, does it really help to combat climate change? Like, does my effort really work towards mm. um, the gold? So I think it's this kind of awareness or like little spark in them can be developed or it's it's maybe kind of our responsibility to give them an opportunity to learn and contribute to the issue. Yeah. Mm. I suppose that's part of the, um, the, the, the mission statement, if you will, for the, and um you as a company or as as an organization i should say you guys specialize in ecotourism and encouraging sustainable travel um what kind of services or experiences does this involve and why do you think it's important well um so firstly fair is a platform in the field of ecotourism with a mission to foster sustainable travel within Hong Kong. So our service and experience aim to bridge the gap between um, environmental um, appreciation and action. So um, a significant part of our work involves uh, creating eco-friendly travel experiences, these activities such as um, locally guided tours, volunteering activities all centered around fostering an appreciation for local culture, biodiversity, as well as sustainable living practices. Like, for example, we promote the Hakka culture in the uh, Luk Gang tour, one of our tour destinations. So, um, and these activities aren't limited to nature hikes. Instead, we also design and deliver reflective educational programs, such as talks after the guided tour. So, um, the aim is to promote environmental awareness and experiences, of course. So, I think the significance of FAIR 
lies in addressing the environmental crisis we are currently facing, like the tour, uh, the travel and tourism sectors often poses significant environmental challenges, making the shift towards a more sustainable practices uh, necessity. Um, by advocating ecotourism, we not only aim to lessen the environmental impacts of traveling overseas, um, including the carbon footprint, but also strive for to inspire, yes, to inspire individuals to appreciate and conserve our beautiful local landscapes. So we believe that visiting places is not only about the visit, it's about learning, understanding, and positively contribute to those places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Vinci kind of mentioned it all, mm-hmm. um, but we are also looking forward to some of the workshops that we can do, um, specifically co- uh, targeting school as well, because we are currently finding a lot of schools and also corporate side as well have such an interest in terms of climate change and also some of their nature related activities. Um, so apart from tour, we are also considering about developing some of the workshops that may change the, like the train the students uh, to understand more about climate change. I see. So this is something that we, we really, really want to build. I see. Um, and the majority of the workshops, are they kind of, are the schools, I, I mean, are they coming from the DSE curriculum? Are they international schools? Are they a mixture of the two? Or what are you finding? It's usually a mixture of, a, of both, mm-hmm. um, but mostly uh, local schools. Um, but they don't really actually targeting the DSE curriculum. So mm-hmm. they just wanted to have uh, um, especially after COVID, they wanted to find some of the activities that may interested students and also beneficial to their learning and also related to sustainability as well. So I guess there are two main themes that the schools are currently targeting in. One is on um, green development, sustainability, ESG, etc., and the other theme is more related to technology, STEM development, um, and and these are basically the major two themes. Mm. Um, so that's why we 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 receive a lot of this uh, kind of inquiries. I see. The, I think from from an international school point of view, I mean, I I uh, previously worked at a school which was um, not a DSE school, but it was local staff, local um, students. And very kind of much more Hong Kong uh, centric in its style. And now I work at a more international school, and and COVID kind of happened as I was leaving the last school and and coming to this school. And one thing that we had to do in both schools is the the CAS week or the CAS project or the CAS whatever different schools call it, which I'm sure you're aware of already. And I think what was interesting was that. Um, I, I spoke to other teachers and they sort of talked about how because of COVID and because um, no one could fly anywhere, they uh, the schools really reconsidered what they were going to spend their CAS week or their CAS projects doing because it had to be based in Hong Kong. And it opened up all these new uh, avenues for schools to, to pursue in a more local level. Now that the airport's are back in business and now that schools can fly around the world i am really interested to see you know to what extent schools 
stand by those original experiences that they set up the more kind of authentic local ones which which let's be honest does offset a lot of um the carbon footprint that vinci was talking about before or whether they'll just go back to business as usual and 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 fly to south africa and new zealand and cambodia and japan and all these admittedly amazing places but yeah it'll be interesting to see if the world has changed or not given the opportunity to i don't know reconsider some of our consumption patterns in that regard um but in 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 my own experience i think coming back to the students that you mentioned before i think students um are very often passionate about looking at animals or ecosystems like life on land life underwater um are things that uh, that we look at in school and um other than uh ver what are some other organizations that schools could look into to work with in hong kong to build meaningful experiences for students either with animals ecosystems or i guess the environment more broadly um i before before this podcast i actually do a lot of research <laughs> but then it's actually quite a lot like uh, a lot of them um wwf and i think you guys are familiar with them um but i also want to recommend green hub because it's basically located in taipo and and they do a lot of like interesting projects um um which is targeting schools and also corporate as well so they developed a, a sense of green living so they organize some of the cooking class they also some uh, organize some of the uh two days one night coffee uh collections kind of farming as well so it's like very interesting and inclusive and i believe the students will love it and they can learn a lot from it as well uh that's why i really recommend schools to approach these kind of uh organizations and then the other thing uh another organization is green earth uh so green earth do a lot of um not only um plastic recycling but also they care about um sustainable hiking so they have talks and also tours uh, regarding um they will have tours uh going up to the mountain and help build the tray and um, and i found that very amazing and not a lot of organizations are doing that and i feel like it's a good experience that i highly recommend some uh, secondary school students to join mm-hmm. um and if you wanted to know more about uh, you know the hong kong uh policy or what kind of like uh facilities are currently doing uh for hong kong you can visit uh the y park and also o park so o park is uh i think o park 2 is just recently open but like o park 1 is or uh, already open in next to disneyland um i highly recommend you guys to go and see because they have this very beautiful um educational facility that you can have a look and see how food waste recycling system looks like in Hong Kong. And that's for extracurricular activities. But if you're talking about, or if teachers doesn't have capacity, uh, I wanted, but I really wanted uh, students to join, then I will highly recommend uh, um, something a bit different, which is related to advocacy and climate policy related. 
So for example, Kathy um, is the program that I got a batch to COP. So Kathy is a program that allowed Hong Kong youth to join to learn more about climate negotiations and also climate advocacy. So even got a chance to uh, set up your advocacy projects. And then if you get selected by the organization, then you can go to COP. Um, and COP 28 this year is going to happen in Dubai. And I think the other uh, other way to, you know, contributing to uh, climate advocacy as well is joining the ELCOI. So ELCOI uh, stands for the Local Conference of, of, of Youth. So we usually have ELCOI and ALCOI and also COI. So uh, ELCOI is for locally speaking. So Hong Kong has its own ELCOI as well. And what makes it so special is because Apart from all these kind of activities, learning what is climate change, learning what is climate justice, on top of it, uh, uh, the organizer will teach students how to write a, a, a like a youth statement, and then we we can submit to the UN uh, as a position paper. So, uh, so every year we will have LCOI and regional uh, COI. I'm I'm not sure. Where uh Alcoy going to be conducted this year, uh, but um Alcoy is something that Hong Kong students really can uh, approach. Mm. Um, if you if you take a look at one more level, the regional level, then actually there's a few more consultation ses uh, sessions that students can join as well. For example, I think last year I joined uh, the regional. Adaptations uh, forum organized by Global Center on Adaptation. So they basically every year they have this uh, adaptation forum for each region. So I think students can join one of the uh, sessions organized for Asia Pacific youth. So there you can learn a lot of like adaptation kind of like method and also ideas um, and also networking as well. And they will collect your ideas and then submit it to, to the Global Center on Adaptation. And, and for your information, when this is back on COP27, these organizations is going there as well to present their, uh, their annual kind of like a report and their work. So these kind of like ideas will really make it in, on record. Um, so apart from these consultation ses uh, sessions, you can also join another consultation sessions which is happening at ACAP. So ACAP is also under an umbrella of UNFCCC. So I'm also one of the uh, member of the advisory group. So uh, so ACAP stands for the Youth Empowerment in Climate Action Platform. So they organize some of the brown bag session, some of the consultation sessions that allow students to join as well. So yeah, just um, if you have a chance, please share uh, with the students. I can share with you all the links as well if you um, if you want to share it to the students. And I think these are really great opportunities for them. Mm, yeah, no, I'll be sure to kind of link to all of those um, companies, organizations, uh, institutions in the show notes. Um, Carly's taken quite a lot of them there. Vinci, are there any uh, other companies or organizations that you would recommend uh, Hong Kongers to or Hong Kong schools to be in touch with? 
Well, I think Carly did mention lots about um the environmental side of um um the environmental issues or companies that we can work with. Um, to a more human side, last week I joined a tour that's about an indigenous um fisherman culture in um Aberdeen, and so um that tour really opened my eyesight about how local fishermen lived before and some of the traditional catching methods or some culture about them. So if we are looking at a more sustainable culture site, culture conservation, I think that um there's an organization called Kaifong Tour. It's um the tour guides are all locals and some of um um uh, living in the neighborhood. So they have um really good understanding of some um oral lore or some stories about their district and this is what i've mentioned about um bottom-up approach they are using um their the na- people in the neighborhood as their tour guide so i think it's a really good um opportunity to explore local culture yeah i see it's a lovely example too yeah um i think the the only thing that remains for me to say is thank you so much for giving up um your time today i'm sure you're very busy people and uh, i think it's I, I do think that in hopefully all schools but certainly in ib schools there's more and more of a push to bring in more service and more meaningful action and i think um having conversations with local organizations and 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 starting from the bottom up of we, as we've mentioned a few times now is is really really important so thank you so much for giving up your time today to uh, educate me on the topic Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.